Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, everyone, let's be honest here. Whether you are living abroad or at home, having a financial plan is vital to charting your financial future. I know that some of us really don't like talking about money because it can be overwhelming, which is why you may want to consider speaking with the professionals at Smith Brewer Advisors. From retirement to investment management and estate and tax planning, an experienced financial advisor at Smith Brewer Advisors will help you create a plan to meet your financial goals. And what's awesome? They empower their clients to make the right decisions for their individual situation. To learn more about working with a fiduciary financial advisor, visit smithbreweradvisors.com. Proud sponsors of the Global Chatter podcast. Smith Brewer Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. If you'd asked Marcus Sawyer's younger self what he'd be doing as a career, I imagine he probably would have said something related to football or soccer as some of us know it. This is not surprising given his trajectory as a young person growing up in London. And he certainly started on those plans. But life, as usual, has a way of changing things around. Marcus rose from a recruiting expert at careerbuilder.com to become a global Fortune 500 executive at the ADECO Group. He's been ranked in the top 100 most influential industry leaders by staffing industry analysis. As the founder of EQ Community, he has activated a tribe of the top 1% of leaders that connects executives seeking meaningful work with inclusive firms ready to cultivate a diverse workforce. In this episode, Marcus shares how he got into the corporate world when his football career plans took a detour. He explains why diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies have to be nuanced depending on mission, needs, and location. He also gives his observations as to why building a business and finding opportunities look different in the U.S. than it does in Great Britain. In the midst of this, we have a great conversation about what community can and should look like. Welcome to the Global Chatter. All right, so we're back with the latest episode of the Global Chatter, and I have no doubts that this is going to be a fun episode because all my episodes are fun. However... (laughs) I think that there's going to be a perspective that is shared today that we haven't seen a lot on the show yet. And so I am so excited to have this guest on who you guys already know because you've heard the intro. But Marcus, welcome to the Black Expats Global Chatter. Thanks for having me, Amanda. I'm honored to be here. I I think we're going to have fun and at least I'm going to have fun. Hopefully you will have fun, but I I think that we're we're going to really get into some things. And so I like to give people context. So where in the world are you currently located? Right now I am in Oakland. 
So I'm on the west coast of the United States. Come on, Bay Area. Yeah, come on. <laughs> how long have you how long have you been in uh I don't want to say San Fran. You are in Oakland. How long have you been in Oakland? Yeah, so I've been in Oakland three years now. So just yeah, not not too long, but three years. So enough right. to soak soak it up. Well, it would be in normal times, right? If there wasn't a pandemic. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say, did wait, did you guys move right before the pandemic or during the pandemic? Twenty eighteen. So okay. it's it's crazy because we're in twenty twenty two now. So that first year I remember it and then after that it's a bit of a blur. Yeah. In between, right? So Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and so I guess if people can hear you, you to us. Okay, to me, you have a bit of an accent. So where did you grow up? I grew up in London. I was born in Northwest London and grew up in Northwest London. So, yeah. well, let me, okay. so let me ask you this question: Being in the in the Bay Area, how does the weather compare? It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so right? yeah, I mean, that is a big draw. There was there were many a day in London where you just look outside the window and uh-huh. you hope that the rain would stop. But <laughs> the thing about London is like when, once it's summertime, everybody's out. So, and, yeah. the, and the motives for being out are pretty similar to have good vibes and good energy. So you can't really be here in the summer. Yeah, man. I, here's the funny part. I've been to the Bay area and I always think it's too cold, but I live in the South. What? So, <laughs> so like, <It's> cold. <laughs> it's... well, the, you, 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 you're, probably aware of this but i'll highlight anyway you know there's microclimates in the bay right right so when you're in san francisco over the bridge it's about three to four degrees cooler yeah and when you're in oakland it's a bit warm so i don't know how much time you spent there and then when you go into palo alto it's another four or five degrees warmer so it depends on where you actually are in the bay there (laughs) and so yeah yeah but it's probably not as hot as North Carolina, yeah, yeah the, exactly. this is the thing. It's, it's, we were seeing 90 pretty early on, like, yeah, oh, wow. we, and we get humidity, so <laughs> yeah, it I'm just very, y'all don't get humidity. No, 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 it's not that hot, but uh, yeah, I mean, how hot do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> this is also the girl who's lived in Doha Cutter, so I, oh, wow. right, exactly, I can, I can do hot. That's sweltering. <laughs> yes, I agree. So let me ask you this question. Growing up in London, did you have a family that traveled? What Or was there an international component to y'all's story? So I'll answer the second part first. So there's definitely an international component to our story. Did we travel? No, because my mom didn't like to get on airplanes. So... <laughs> okay. What once I was released <laughs> at a certain age, uh, we we went everywhere. But we had we got we got family. So background: my dad's Nigerian, my mum's Jamaican. We had family in Nigeria. My grandfather used to go back and forth, mm-hmm. and then a lot of family in Jamaica still, and a lot of family in the US. Some went to Florida, some mm-hmm. went to Jamaica Queens uh in new york right that's kind of a place where a lot of the jamaicans because i've always had connections there but i didn't travel that much outside of europe should i say okay when i was young and so there was like probably two things like my mom didn't like to get on planes and she does now which is cool so she's come to see me which I'm, i'm happy about but also cost right at the time like getting on a plane wasn't just the thing that you would do 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I went around Europe quite a bit though. When you started traveling around Europe, was that with family or as a young adult? When I went around Europe the first time, I went with my dad. He was a fighter, taekwondo fighter. So he was fighting in a tournament in Holland. Okay. So I went to go and watch him. So he's an Olympian. And uh, he, yeah, he had a tournament. That was the first time I remember leaving the country. Okay, that's like a really slick thing to like slip in. He was an Olympian. He did taekwondo. Like that was his thing. Yeah, yeah. So he was a coach for England. He's European <laughs> champion. He done all of that stuff. So that was his thing. So I feel like he probably, what, did he travel a lot? Because He traveled of- a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, yeah, yeah. He traveled <laughs> okay. a lot. And he used to tell me edu- that travel is the best form of education. But I didn't really travel that much at the time. So <laughs> I couldn't feel until I went away. But it was cool. But once I got to a certain point and uh, I think I was 17, 18 and I could travel on my own, I was, yeah, I was cool. You were doing it? Yeah, yeah. Where did, where did you go as a young adult without your family? <laughs> I went to Mexico. Okay. Yeah, that was one of the first places I went to. Okay. There was like some, there was like a a discounted flight, and me and my cousin decided to go to Mexico. Okay. From London, we okay. went to went to the US a few times. Went to New York quite a lot to see family. Yeah. I went to Ibiza. Uh-huh. I went to France a lot. That was fine. The Eurostar wasn't invented at that time so you couldn't just jump on a train yeah but I, yeah i traveled yeah i traveled a lot and then yeah at, at that time those are those are probably some of the main places that i remember what i'm very curious because we're gonna talk about your career in a bit did you ever think or was it even a thought that you would have sort of an international aspect to your career or was it just something that's just sort of happened in the things that you've done well it's interesting because i've always had in the back of my mind that travel is one of the best forms of education from what my dad said to me and i knew that he was traveling for his work so i knew that they like my family my mom that like it would they'd be supportive of it if it happened so i always had it in the back of my mind like oh if there's a job you can travel and it first started just like nationally yeah so in the uk and that wasn't super exciting but i was on trains and planes and trains mainly right yeah. And then football, traveling a little bit there. So I wasn't, I didn't think that, yes, I'm going to be traveling all over the world into multiple countries, but it was always an aspect that I was keen to do or something I was interested in doing. So when you went to university, what did you study? I studied sports science at University of Bath, but I did not finish university. Okay. So I well, dropped you- out. <laughs> well, that's totally fine. What was your intention, though, of why did you choose that as a major or concentration? I had a football scholarship, so I was on a fast track to become a professional footballer. So I was doing that, and I was studying sports science. But I wasn't super interested in that. I just wanted to play football. Yeah. Had I have done business, I might have stayed. And yeah. so that was kind of the the, the the turning point for me. Wow. So what made you leave college or university, as you guys call it? What made me leave? Just, I didn't feel like I was learning what I wanted to learn and I was mm-hmm. doing it to play football. And so I decided to continue to play football. And then I played semi-professional for a, quite a while and then was in and out of different clubs and then yeah. decided to get a job in the gym to keep fit. But they didn't have traditional gym jobs. So then I had a sales job. Huh. And then I realized, oh, okay, 
like you can sell gym memberships and make a little bit of money. And then there's probably other better sales jobs than this. So I started going on that path and yeah, that was, that was basically it. Oh my gosh. What was your first sales job? First ever sales job. Well, I used to sell appointments. So I used to be an appointment scheduler and that's how you had to like be uh, on the phone and, and now they call them SDRs. They got fancy title. Sales <laughs> development reps, but it was just basically booking appointments for different types of companies every day. So you'd have yeah. to learn about different companies immediately, instantly yeah. what they've done and then start booking appointments. So I'd say that was one of the first ones that I'd done. Did you enjoy sales? I, yes, I, but certain aspects. So I don't enjoy the cold call in. I, I made cold calls, so I never had to make a cold call again. So I try and learn more about it and then what I could do otherwise. I enjoy, I enjoy doing business. So doing mm-hmm. deals, it feels like playing sports and scoring a goal when you agree on something that makes sense for each other. Yeah. So it's less of the actual selling or sales aspect and more around collaborating and providing value. And then when it goes well, it's good for everyone. Yeah. I, you know what? I, it's interesting because I personally do not like sales as, in, as, as persuasive as a speaker as I am. <laughs> I I think for me I'm like I, it's it's the thing I think a lot of people get uncomfortable with sales. It's you don't want to feel like you're pressuring someone like and you don't want to come across as and, and I and I think this is a stereotype, but you don't want to feel like uh, I don't want to feel like I'm just you know I'm just getting to know you because I want to sell this thing or I want to get you to buy this thing, even though that's part of the reason why you're trying to understand this person. Sales gets such a bad reputation, but it's the <laughs> most important thing in business. Yeah, and it's the reason that it's on the top line. right Uh, and 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 i think that just learning that you're not really ever selling anything if you're just having a conversation but Mm. you've got to find yourself in the right spaces yeah and as you get older you develop that because you have more things in common with other people and travel is another aspect of that yeah Uh, you're not really selling someone if you're just having a conversation around their journey and your journey and then there happens to be some common ground but i think when you're calling somebody cold and they don't know you building that relationship within 30 seconds is, is tough. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's like, are you like a slimy car sales person or what? Right. right. Like that's the, that's the vibe and energy. It's just like, you almost hide that you're in sales, but I'll tell you what, as you move up, even especially in tech and so on, people want to know that you can sell to help right. you grow and develop your career. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. And, and to be honest, I think it gives you so much practice talking to different kinds of people in different places where I think if, if especially if communication isn't always necessarily your strongest suit, I think you can build it up getting comfortable talking to others. I read somewhere that I think one of your earliest jobs, and I'm sorry, I'm fascinated by this, was at LA Fitness, <laughs> which I... <laughs> Everyone always thinks that. <laughs> and, and, it was, and this was in the UK. This was not... Yeah, yeah. It was not in LA. Okay. This- yeah, this is not in LA. It's funny because even my son, I always talk to him about the LA fitness stuff and yeah. we I read him books before we go to bed. And every night he says, like, can we do a daddy story? Like, What's a daddy story? It's like at, at LA fitness when you used to work in this small area and used to sell gym memberships. And all. So I'm like, oh, it actually has some value. So I don't know. I'm happy to share anything that's 
interesting to your work. About LA Fit. Well, I, I guess what I'm trying to understand is, I mean, at this time, you're you're in the UK. You're still in London, correct? Is that where right. you Yeah, yeah. C- Central London, we started, yeah. So how did you... Was there a franchise? Like, how did you even, how does, how does, how do you end up working for LA Fitness in London is where I'm trying to understand. The the hilarious thing is that was, think of it as like the concept. Like okay. it's not in LA, but it's like LA Fitness. Like you want to be fit right. like you're in LA, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I applied for the job uh, online or even in a, might have even been in a newspaper. On paper, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that old, but papers were still around. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, and then, the, I, again, as I said, I was trying to find a job that was going to help me continue sports. So I wanted to go to a gym mm-hmm. to continue working out for free, basically. Mm-hmm. But, which I continued to do, but they didn't have traditional jobs where you could walk around and help people and start to become a personal trainer and go along that track. Gotcha. There was, it was it, that, that part was full, but they did have the sales jobs okay. and that was how I got into it. Oh my gosh. How long were you there for? I want to say two or three years. So a little okay. bit of time. Yeah. Okay. So what did you decide to do once you left there? Like, did you decide you wanted to go to another big corporate? Did you just want to stay in sales? Where did you go? Well, after that, I started to look for opportunities that were related to sales because I realized that I was highly underpaid. I was on like $13,000 or whatever it comes. And I was getting a lot of money from commissions. And I saw that there was an opportunity. There was something that was happening. And companies were starting to use newspapers less to advertise and advertise online. Yeah, There was a company that set up in England at the time, which is called Mm careerbuilder.com. And I didn't realize how big they were. So I applied for the job, I think, and this is always a thing like the recruiter. I don't know how good he was at his role because he gave me an opportunity. And once I jumped in, I got in front of some of the hiring managers and it was like I had to show how I would be able to develop B2B sales because I was doing a bit more B2B, B2C at the time. Got yeah. the opportunity and then started on cold calling there. And then I got promoted every year. And then by the end of it, I became the director for Europe for the staff and a recruiting group at Career Builder over a 10 year period of time. Yeah. So I was kind of on that track. And then it was funny because you were seeing people that were coming out of university trying to get the entry level job that I'd already got. But because I dropped out, I was in there earlier. Yeah. So it just, yeah. <laughs> now, and, and I mean, with Career Builder, correct me if I'm wrong, because I feel like I remember it's an, it's an international company. It wasn't just, yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know Career Builder. So, yeah. Yeah, Career Builder was uh, yeah all over the world, and that was that was a big part of it. So when we had trips, we'd have like these presidents' clubs trips that were in different countries. You'd have we bought they bought some European arms as well to the business, and also the big headquarters was in Chicago. So yeah. and it was a lot more well known in the US than it was in the UK. Yes, yeah. So that was, and so you then start to realize, wow, you're actually part of something bigger bigger yeah 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 and that and that that helped that just helped to have career progression and meet some great people and grow with them over a long period of time so can i ask you during your time with them i would imagine because of these different offices you're working with diverse teams globally correct yeah so initially no because i was focused specifically on the uk market yes as it started to grow absolutely 
because and so it was diverse teams with diverse products and diverse services that different ways of thinking so you were as you we were buying a lot of companies and then so we'd have to integrate those companies in different markets into the culture yeah and so yeah got to connect with a lot of different folks in different countries which was cool so if you think of yourself back in that period i'm curious you know how did you start how how were you cultivating community and and learning to work with these diverse teams because we talk about dei a lot right now right but like on a very practical level what are some of the things that maybe you even noticed were challenges for you initially or just challenges in general and you were able to sort of kind of move past or what are the things that were done really well when you've got these people in different locations but you're trying to work on this common mission well sales is very it can be very one track minded okay so you're focusing on hitting your numbers and staying in the job yeah and so it's like hardcore and so one of the ways that I thought about that was any friend that I had that I thought could do this job, I would recommend them to career builder. So by the end of it, a lot of my good, good friends worked with me and they done really well. So we actually cultivated this community inside of the organization where I had people from different backgrounds, because if you think about it as a company that's trying to set up an operation, yeah, in a new country, and they're not really too sure where to to go. And I was doing pretty well personally, so then my referrals started to hold weight. So I bring people inside the organization and start to cultivate that. And then it was about okay, we know how we operate today mm-hmm. because we're even from part of the same front. How do we connect with more people? And a lot of it was on there was a big kind of I would say social scene. At Caribbean, especially in London, like you'd all go out on a Friday evening, mm-hmm. all of you, all the time. So the whole <laughs> office would go together, okay? You, you, like, and that's that is n- n- no not for dinner, for drinks, and this is every <laughs> <Yeah>. Friday, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay? And 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 then you'd start to see, and then people would start to come together around that. And when you were at a certain age in your twenties, everybody would do that, and you just build these relationships naturally and organically you'd find out what people are interested in. football's a big thing in the uk right so what's your team and then how are you working and you start to cultivate that and then people would feel that culture um and yeah so i suppose those, those were some of the the ways but it's very organic yeah i mean here's can i can i ask you this question as someone who's always thinking about inclusion and whatnot yeah go on so i hear that but then <laughs> here's here's the career person in me so were you all, let me ask this question first. Were you we all, were not all guys. <laughs> were you all around <laughs> the same age? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I would say that we were similar ages. We we're entry level, but we were the only, we were the only people of color in the organization. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So I didn't even realize that part. So, <laughs> so, so similar age, similar, probably racial ethnicity stories, background, similar, give or take. I guess my question is, I, I the back of my mind, I'm thinking, but what if, does this still work if you're a natural introvert or if you're a natural person who that's not your scene? Like, are you still able to be part of the community without having the, the ability to go out on Friday night and hang out with the team? Yeah. So, so these were the days where people worked in the office. Like a year and a half, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So 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 it like it was a situation where 
we it wouldn't be you'd have to do it on your own time. Sometimes you finish early. Sometimes you yeah. have lunches together. Yeah. You would just meet with people. And we yeah. were in sale. Uh, we didn't even know, like, all the products, all the back office, middle, that was all in different countries. Yeah. So we yeah. wouldn't see that side of how they would operate. I can just tell you from my experience that there were a lot of people that built some good relationships and connected with others because they spoke to each other. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time now you, you hide behind screens and it's like, well, I don't really feel like doing that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> well, have you tried it? <laughs> yeah. Well, like maybe, maybe not. And, and, and the other things as well, is like, and this was like the old school, people say, oh, well, why do you have to be the person that is getting into the office early? I, I, I used to try all the time all the time. This is like old school, hardcore stuff to beat anybody in the office. That was just me. That's how much I was on it. <laughs> and not everyone's the same. And yeah. then, so what would happen is every time I'd, I'd come in, it was a the, the joke. Right. Um, yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, and no, I'm just setting stuff up because if I don't come in, no one's going to, no one's going to do it. Right. And I would do that just to, to have a little bit of banter with someone. And then I remember people would come in, they come in at normal time. You you'd give the kind of, you'd look at your watch even though they're early, right? And it would be the better. And so there was like a kind of hardcore working environment and it was about surviving that and getting through it and then being able to think for yourself and then creating an environment that you thought would make sense for you and others to thrive in. And you have to realise that everyone wasn't there, but without a seat at the table, it's hard to do that. Yeah, yeah. Nah, man. Oh, you're so right. I was just thinking about how there's so much stuff I get done when I just pick up the phone and call a person. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I had a situation the other day and we we're going back and forth in email and I was like you know what I'm tired of this I'm just gonna call you and here's the funny part I called the person left a voicemail they immediately handled it over like they immediately handled the problem and then emailed me and it was just because I picked up the phone and said nah I'm not scared to talk to you I just I want to get this done so you're right I mean and I think COVID we've kind of lost some of that because yeah and 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 then and then it's like you go to the extreme level that everything needs to be a zoom or everything needs to be like it has to be a zoom yeah so uh, can you be in front of the zoom and and again old school like we used a phone i still remember like my friends phone numbers from school i know their numbers off by heart in my head i know i know i know because i used to pick up the phone and call people and and that was also our tool of choice in sales using the phone so you kind of, and then now it's like text and you've got read between the lines in text. Right. And like, maybe you put, if you're like, are you really cry face laughing when you send that message? You might, you might have done, <laughs> you might have done a little thing. Yeah. And an LOL is like, I don't really find that funny. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you, it, it's kind of reading between the right. lines and it's hard if you don't speak to people. And I, and this is a complete different tangent, but now that we're on sales, I'm kind of stuck on this. This is true. Do you think sales now, do you think it's harder for folks who are in the sales space now because people aren't picking up their, like it's there, there, there's so many more barriers to kind of cutting someone off if you're trying to sell them something. Well, yes, I agree with you. And I think that sales has evolved based on the tools that are available and the channels that people want to be met at for yeah. want of a better term. And so it's not about picking up the phone and drilling people. It's more inbound. 
So how do you, and because there's more information. Yeah. So before, when I got on the phone with you, I have to figure out who you are within like 30 seconds. But now there's so much information online. Like if I do my research, we can be prepared and have a common thread or I can send you an email or I can find out, does somebody know you or do I know someone that knows you? Yeah. And so sales becomes less important when you build your brand and build your network because then your network then sells for you. Like I was in a meeting earlier today and then somebody said, Oh, I've got like three people I can recommend to you. Great. I didn't even think about that or ask, ask for that. But I think that you, you realize when you're having conversations, letting people know what you do, who trust you and you trust them and you do the same for them is super important as a sales tool. And then you, you become a super connector. So you're not actually selling anything. The yeah. definition of sales for me is like, what we used to have was persuading someone to do something they wouldn't have done had you have not existed. Okay. Right. So it's not order taking. It's not like, it's like if your vibe or energy didn't exist, would they do what you're asking them to do? And they don't have to do it directly through you. Yeah. It could just be through a connection. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. So if you're joining us after the break, um, you know that we are really going to transition to talk about the work that Marcus is doing right now, because I actually am quite fascinated by this. He does not know this, but I'm fascinated. And so <laughs> your facial expression is like, is she really? I really am, because you can see my face. But let's talk about EQ Community. Why did you create this? What What was the catalyst? Well, after being in a position where I had some opportunities that had landed into my sphere, as it were, just kind of in a really serendipitous way. It's like, how can I create that more deliberately for me personally? So I got an opportunity to move from career builder gym memberships, and then I became a Fortune 500 exec at a company called Adeco. Mm-hmm. And I just saw, I saw a lot of the world at the time. I, one time I'd traveled to 107, I had 107 flights in one year. Oh my gosh. And so I saw a lot. And then I kind of looked around in some of the boardrooms and areas. And I just realized there was less and less people who looked like me in those positions. And I thought to myself, well, what is the most important thing? So we're talking about sales earlier, right? And a way to alleviate sales is making sure that you've got a brand. How do you have a brand? It's not just what you have online, but people need to know you. It's it's less about who you know. It's about more about who knows you, and that also runs true when you're trying to get your next opportunity. Because a lot mm-hmm. of the best opportunities come through referral. So I wanted to create a deliberate space that would empower people from diverse backgrounds 
to get access to opportunities that they might not have otherwise seen. And then on the flip side, there were companies that said they wanted to be more inclusive and create mm-hmm. a sense of belonging. And I wanted to remove every barrier and every excuse <laughs> in order to give them access to really high quality talent. So that was a lot of the genesis of it. And around that is giving people the tools. And I always talk about the four C's. You've got that great community that can help you develop and thrive. So we were saying in Jamaica, each one teach one. Mm-hmm. You have access to careers. So really high quality careers. Like where are they? Like, But direct access, not just online. You go into some black hole database that no one ever sees. And then the connections that glue all that together. Like, are you really connected with other people that can help you progress and move forward? And then that ultimately leads to capital. And that capital can help you fuel your journey, your family's journey, and those that come after you. So that's really how I thought about it and thought that there wasn't really a space that was doing that for me in particular, or just even more so just like my network was, uh, there was a way to leverage that to bring people together and cultivate. Mm -hmm. I'm curious like when you were, you know, when you're working at your previous company and, and with all the travel that you were doing in terms of the reflection in leadership, is that just not, was that inclusive of, of the fact that, for example, you're going to all these different countries. So let's say you were in, I'm picking a random country. I'm not saying you've been there, but let's say you were in India where yep. you see leadership that was at least reflective of that community and culture or was it still at the very senior level? It was not as diverse as the places where the company had tentacles in. Look, I, I think the thing about DEI and just diversity in general is depending on where you are in the globe, each mm-hmm. let's let, let let's take it from this perspective. Each country, then you can go to in the US, each state and each city has their opportunities and challenges. So my cousin, he lives in Japan and he's been there for 12 years. The big disparity there is gender. Like women are not in the world of work as much as they should be today. So that's kind of like the first step. Yeah. If you go to another country and let's say the US, for instance, it's getting more black people into senior positions in tech because the populations, I think it's 13% of African-Americans and it's like 3% in tech. And that's not even leadership. Right. Right. So I think each area has its opportunity to become more diverse, but the rationale behind that, I, I believe should be the same. Hmm. And the rationale should be diversity is a superpower. Mm-hmm. And the reason diversity is a superpower is because you have the opportunity to see things from multiple angles and perspectives and then bring that collective view together to allow you to act accordingly with vision that is more fruitful than if you've done it alone. And I think that people forget the reasoning behind it. Gotcha. So with that being said, though, if we were to use Japan as an example, just because you mentioned your cousin living there, have you seen instances where 
with what you said and, and kind of what your mission and believe what um, <laughs> with your mission that you've you've shared, have you seen pushback to that sort of like, well, why do we, you know, you know, because there's what people tend to say, well, you know, we'll just let the best person there, right? Without the assumption that, yes, but have you also noticed that you have structural barriers that are keeping maybe women or groups or whatever? And so I guess my question is for you is that even those conversations with companies and organizations, have you had the experience of pushback where folks are like, well, we don't see this as a problem? I know for a fact that the pushback exists. I avoid that like the plague. <laughs> and the way yeah. that I avoid that is I only walk through open doors because mm-hmm. there's only so much time that we have on this earth. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of open doors where people do want to help and do want to move things forward, but they don't necessarily know how. So mm-hmm. I spend all of my energy and effort in doing that. And I believe in business. Once you get momentum, it then allows you to then go back into maybe some of the areas that need more help. So I just don't even spend time with those companies. If you don't see it, like shame on you. You don't get it. You don't watch, you've never watched a sports game in your life. You haven't realized that people need to play in different positions. Right. That's, that's completely. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't all play in the same position and win. Yeah. How's that going to work? Right. right. So I, I, I think that if people don't get it, there's a reason why they decide not to get it. And the reason why they decide not to get it is a lot of the time, and I always put it into to, 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 like, two two kind of camps. And one is just, like, you don't care. Like, you genuinely yeah. don't care, so don't pretend that you care. Like, <laughs> okay. let's, just, let, let's Or you don't want to take the time because there's enough information out there on this thing that we call the internet that yeah. tells you, how it can help for so what you need to do is you probably need some social proof yeah and so let's work with the person that's next to you that does get it and help them and then that's then that then starts to have a knock-on effect and more network effects so i'm really focused on the open areas i don't even if you're telling me oh like oh i don't believe that we should have more black people like okay bye see you later i haven't got time (laughs) you're calling me now (laughs) (laughs) so i'm curious you having you Having you been growing, well, let me get my words right. So with you growing up in the UK and now being in the US, do you see this work approached differently or the same having been in both cultures? Um, and that can even be the terminology used or how folks even consider DEI. And then there's all the other stuff like BJ and everything else that comes after that. But do you see it, it do you see sort of the, the approach being similar from because you're in the US or do you see it like we do things maybe a little bit different in the UK or are the conversations different around this work? The approach is different, the problem is the same. Okay, so tell me about the approach. So the approach in the UK with anything that's to do with race is generally covert. In the US it's generally overt from what I've seen which means okay. that we've got categories. Um, there are certain, so like whether it's African-American or it's uh, like Latin or it's gender, that's all like out there, that information. In the UK, that doesn't, doesn't exist in that way. 
Really? Yeah. Um, and it might change since I've been back there, but like, you, it's just, you, they might ask you a question, but you, it's not really collected at scale, that information. Okay. So what, what generally tends to happen is a lot of the companies that are fast growing or companies that are worth being at, people get those opportunities through referrals. So there's still kind of an old boys, old club network in the UK in particular. And I'd say that's that, that I say the problem, I think that's a similar problem in the US, but what the way that's handled is probably by your, where you went to school, um, mm. as well as race, right. But where you went to school, like who, you know, like what that badge is, the university things big ish in the UK, you've got somebody elite, but it's not, it's not uh, a barrier, it's a huge barrier to entry. You can still do all right and kind of figure your way around okay. that. So I think that the problem is similar, but the approach is slightly different to how it's tackled. My sister, she's a, she's in HR. She's a global HR director in the UK company. So we have these conversations yeah, about some of the differences. And then I've got cousins who are in the US. I've got a lot of family in the US and yeah, there's problems the same, just the approach is different, right? I mean, I also like to think in the US we're really loud. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just not that other people don't have the same problems, but we're just very like it'll be trending on Twitter because you know we will we have the numbers and the and the voice I think in a different way than some other groups to be very honest. And I think that there's there's a lot to be said for that, and there's a lot of benefits to operating in that way, and there's also challenges as well because people see you coming and. Yes. Yeah. If you look at it in a, a, a covert way, you can maybe be have the same energy and the same feeling and then acting on it in a slightly different way and no one sees you coming. Yeah. So that's, uh, uh, but then on the other side, I think in the UK, like we should say more and do more, but it's hard to understand where to go because there isn't that uniform approach organization subgroups and so on and so forth like as an example like in the us you could say that there's a, a platform here that's for black talent right yeah you wouldn't say that in the uk don't know why <laughs> but like it, the, but oh, i do know why but the main reason is that 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 might look like it's not that inclusive right and right. But, but that but that's the problem you're trying to solve <laughs> right so the chat, and I think the challenge here sometimes in the US is like we solve the problem with some of the tools that we were given initially, which was like with se segregation. So we segregate ourselves. Right. But now we're in our own groups. Right. But you almost need, if you're trying to get into the other groups, you need allies and people to help you to get into them. If you're not, then you've got to create your own. Right. Not groups, <laughs> but environments. Right. <laughs> so right so it's like it's it's so complex and i do not have the answer, I just, the answer. yeah yeah i just know what i've seen i mean i read a thing called the black expat like, like right exactly exactly we're on a black expat i mean here and and, I, and i've told this story people are like why'd you call it the black expat honestly so that black and brown folks could find it. Yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't as political as people thought. But then I would be asked in interviews and they're like, oh, there's all this political thought to it. And I'm like, no. But then and you want to know something funny to what you said? I remember I told a guy, yeah, I'm starting this thing called the Black Expat. And he looked at me and he said, oh, okay, so it's for Black Americans. 
And I said, no. And he, but, but, and I got why he, where he was coming from. He's originally from Mali, but yeah. he grew up like all around the world and he is an expat. But the term expat had never been applied to him because yeah. he's here in African. Yeah. And then also very much the term black, you know, like I grew I lived in the continent. People, a lot of everyone's black, right? Or most people are black. So it's not like you're black. I'm black. No one needed to identify by color. So he was like, oh, yeah, this is an American thing. And I said, I promise you, the only reason I called it the black expat is just that black folks would know that the resources are there for them. But it does not necessarily mean there are a ton of people who call the black expat who are not black, but they know that they are not the center of the focus. So to your point, you're right. It's like we like we I think for the reason we label stuff here is just so that we can find it. Those of us who are in that group, because sometimes when things are not labeled, we get lost in the sauce. Right. And and this is why we will have. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. We've seen businesses black owned, black founded, like all of that. And because we want to support that. But I do I get your point where it could also be a little bit of removal from <laughs> from or, or kind of resegregating yourselves. But at the same time, it's like we're trying to support. But also it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, I, and I don't know the right answer. And I think there's probably certain things that should be labeled in that way. And maybe some that that shouldn't be um or there's an acronym like i know companies that just have like the b and then everyone kind of knows what it is and it's just bipoc because every every time i see bipoc people know this about me i'm like oh we're talking about bisexual pocs and it's not black indigenous people of color like i my brain there's just so many I'm not a big fan of it, but I get why it's there because we're trying to say, well, you know, it's for this group of folks. But yeah, no, I mean, I don't think we're going to solve it, but it's. Yeah, and and, and labeling. And I'll say another level, communication is important because you need a clear narrative to be able to operate together. Yeah. And one of the challenges and even us, like, so we, we, we're somewhat, we have our, our community and it's like, oh, you've got another, there's another community, right? Yeah. But again, we're trying to create an environment that gives people what they need specifically at a particular time in their lives. And it's kind of different from maybe your entry level and your working in work that's more blue collar work. It might be slightly different. So you'll need a, you, you need a, a different way to connect. And I think that those subgroups provide value. Yeah, but at some sense, you need to kind of figure out like how do you bring it back home, and how do you collectively make sure that it's part of the overall narrative. Yeah. So let me ask you this question because I I'm gonna ask you this question. So you've lived in the states now three and a half years. <laughs> what I'm curious, what has been the cultural transitions for you for someone who lived in the UK, who was in that European space, and then now? You are a, for all intents and purposes, a black man in <laughs> in Oakland. Uh, um, what was different for you? So just talking about the U.S. in general, I would say the scale is just hard to fathom if you don't live here. So, yeah. and that was, people were a little bit more connected, I would say, regionally and by states during COVID because... Yeah, you would meet 
somebody that was in your local area before maybe a lot more often and you wouldn't see people in other states but now you just meet whoever because it doesn't really matter where you are and it's quite surprising than where they are in the u.s so that vastness yeah uh yeah was was something that i had to get my head around and it, and it just i think there's so much opportunity in the u.s for business to be able to collaborate together to be able to do things but it's hard to see when you're in your own environment and i think mm. being in the uk there's less business opportunity mm. i would say to start something that is gonna be and you can do it and it it's not easy. It's not, and I'll give an example. If you take the recruiting industry, for instance, I think there's like 19,000 recruiting companies in the UK and there's only 60 uh, million, 69, 70 million people in, in the in the UK. And it's like three, or 330, 320 in the US, something like around that. And there's yeah. 19,000 recruiting companies. So, <laughs> so it's, it, it, it's like the shut the share market share. So that's like business, why? So I just think there's vast opportunity. And I think people say, I'm going to go to the US to make it still. I'm going to go to the US yeah. to make my foot. I don't think people say they're going to go to the UK to make it. Yeah. That, that's not necessarily the narrative. I hear. So I think there's huge opportunity from that side. From the individual's standpoint, I was talking to my barber the other day and he's like, he's from, he's from Oakland. And we were having a conversation. He's like, and... <laughs> and he was like, yeah, when guys, when people see you, they think you just that. But when they talk to you, they realize. So, and, that, and that's what he said to me. Yeah. And, and that was funny because I was, it's like when you, you the perception of how you're seen. Yeah. People have preconceived notions, I think here of who you are and what you are until they have a conversation with you yeah. because you're either going to be in one bucket or another bucket. Right. And I think that's probably a little bit, it's similar depending on the area you are. And also what, like if I'm walking down the street with my hoodie on, which I will do in a tracksuit, cause that's what I wear one day on the other day that I'm in a, a shirt and suit, like you're just going to get treated differently. Yeah. So I think that there's, there's preconceived notions and perceptions that happen all over the world. And I don't think that that's just the US. Yeah. Do you think you're, what you're doing with your business would look different if you were in the UK right now, or would it be the mission would be the same, but maybe approach would look different. It's a good question. I don't know if I would do the same thing in the UK only because I think that you can impact more people in the U S and gotcha. that's really one part of what we want to do is ensure that we can impact as many people as possible. So I think in the UK, the business would probably be more focused on access to the opportunity. So maybe the recruiting piece. Okay. I think here the community piece is even more important because people are in so many different areas and so vast. And it's not that it's not different in the UK because you've got big cities like Manchester, Birmingham, and then you've also got London, but you you kind of connect with everyone because anyway, only two hours away drive, it's not, right? Really? Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, and then the furthest place you'd ever drive is like to Newcastle from London, which is like four, four, four hours. <laughs> That's not far at all. You're yeah. in California. Yeah, four it's, hours. yeah, yeah. So you'd always connect. Yeah. You'd always connect. And even, yeah. So, um, I, th I think that the, 
I don't know if it'd be the same business. I think to help people get access to fulfill their potential is something that I always do and want to do. Yeah. But the approach to community and bringing more people together from even just diverse states, even if yeah. you happen to all be black and happen to be all be in a role, right. like there's so much you can learn from each other. Black people in North Carolina are very different from black people in Oakland. <laughs> I can tell you that. What, what's tell. the main difference? <laughs> Probably the accent. No. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, you know what? Accent, food. Uh, and here's the thing. A lot of black people who are not in the South have stories that start in the South because mm. of that, what their family origins are. So th- here's the funny part. I think if you were to whenever it's not COVID and you're talking to more people, if you talk to black people, it doesn't matter whether it's Chicago, New York, Cali, everybody got a grandma or great grandma. That's from these neck of the woods. Yeah. So this is, this is actually where I, t- I told this to someone the other day and they didn't realize it. The largest concentration of black people is going to be in the Southern United States. It don't matter how many you think there are in California or New York or Chicago, or anywhere else it'll actually be the South because then when they did their migration patterns, they went to all these other cities. Yeah. So everybody's got a story. It's so funny. Even people up North, everyone has a story about, yeah, I used to come down and see my grandparents. It's, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, and so I guess where, where I'm very curious to hear from you sort of as we're wrapping up, but I, I think this is important as someone who's worked with diverse teams who is helping, helping and, 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 and creating these opportunities for diverse professionals. If someone is thinking about really going out into, you know, expanding their career and really looking at opportunities beyond whatever country they're in, what do you think are the key things that they need to know in order to make it on, on these, on these multicultural, multinational, international spaces? Before you need it, build your connections. Mm. Yeah. So there's two things you can be building every day, and it's your one is your brand, and the second is your connections. And you build your brand as you interact with people. Mm-hmm. So interact as many people with as many people as you can, and let them go away thinking, you know what, they're all right. You know, I quite yeah. like them. And next time that something comes up, I'll connect yeah. them. So I think if you do that, that's fine. You never know, and it's not that you'll necessarily need them; they may need you. But building yeah. that over a long period of time, I think, is 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 very valuable. So that that would be one of the one of the main things I would say. And also try if you can, and it's always it's hard to do this, but if you can go somewhere where you if you're moving, it's entirely yeah. up to you. It depends on what you want to do. But if you want to be part of a multinational organization, mm-hmm. one somebody said to me a while back, which I do agree, it's like hard to move into a new country start a new job have a new set of friends and also maybe like have a new family right depending on what you do so think about maybe how you would prioritize those and start with a couple you can dive right in and you'll probably just be fine but that's one thing that i think has been helpful for for us in particular just making sure that you've got some people that you know that are on the ground that you can kind of fit, like, shortcut things like setting up banks and just things like that that would just be like oh, right gosh <laughs> <laughs> was it difficult for you, you- no nah, it, it, it really wasn't it was really it was actually really easy so because yeah. because uh, we've got family in different areas right. and i was able to pick up the phone and just call people 
and it was just it was so helpful so yeah yeah i can vouch for that if you got people who know what they're doing it can make it a lot less painless but you're right i think the networking I've, I've said this to people at nauseum. If you're looking for an opportunity, you need to start talking to folks because they've got insight. And so I, I, I think that what you've said is absolutely in the affirmative. So, all right, Marcus, we made it. Well, <laughs> just, just, just about, right? <laughs> so if people are looking to connect with you, and I will have this in the show notes, where can they find you? So we have a link, which is just eq.app. So eq.app, and then we've got multiple links. So we own eq.app, which is cool. And then you've got eq.community. Those are the two places where I I hang out. Outside of that, in the normal world, um, LinkedIn, just first name, last name, connect with me. If you're a company that wants to learn more about what we're doing in DNI, or if you want to be part of the community, yeah. Those are the places. I'm trying to think how you scored such a simple <laughs> URL. It was available or did you have to buy it? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm a domain junkie. I've been buying domains for Dang. years. <laughs> uh, if we have an idea right now, I'll buy the domain. <laughs> so I, 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 I've, been, I've been storing domains forever. So, so I, Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually proud of the eq.app. It didn't cost me that much, but it's, I think yeah. it's valued. Yeah, it's, it's all right right now. <laughs> no, I love it. It's, it's simple because I'm going to remember it. Like, I love it. It's simple and straight to the point. So, yeah, we'll make sure we'll have the links in the show notes and they'll be up on the Black Expat website and the Global Chatter so everyone will be able to find it. But, uh, yeah, thank you once again for coming on. I, I think that your work is awesome. I'm probably going to join because why not? <laughs> 100%. We'd love to have oh, you. You're like, <laughs> I, now I have to. It's, it's on the tape that I'm joining, so now I have to join. So that means the rest of y'all should join but thank you once again for listening to this latest episode and we'll catch you next time thanks amanda you've just listened to an episode of the global chatter which is hosted by me amanda bates it is edited by stephanie Ficchio. don't forget to subscribe to the global chatter on your favorite podcast platform you can also follow us on instagram at the global chatter or stop by twitter and find us at global chat pod If you have a question, want to subscribe to the newsletter, or are interested in sponsoring, visit theglobalchatter.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.